0: everybody sam and chance back at you here i am sam and chance how you guys doing today And right below us or right beside us sorry we have two-time ibf world champion cruiserweight world champion mr steve uss cunningham steve thank you so much for hey, coming yes. on the show uh it's an honor and a privilege to have you
1: on how are you today sir i'm doing good man doing very good you know relaxing Friday, man. It's raining here, so uh I'm ready to take a nap.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, I hear you that too, brother. We're we're out here on the west coast of Vancouver. It's raining today as well, so our weathers match up. Um, but yeah, Steve, let's, let's get right into it, man. I mean, your boxing career started a little bit later in life, so I thought maybe we could just talk about growing up in Philadelphia. What was that like in the 90s? Uh the yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Late 80s, uh mid to late 80s early nineties, you know, Philly was in the beginning, you know, I was raised with my mom and my dad in the same household. So, you know, it was great in North Philadelphia. It was a great neighborhood, um, the ghetto, but you know, to us, it wasn't, wasn't a bad thing. You know, it was just, you know, everybody wasn't making 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 a year, you know, but it was a great neighborhood, great experience. Um, You could eat at other people's houses it wasn't shootings at the time. This is the eighties, you know, late mid to late eighties. There wasn't, you know, there was violence, you know, but it was just, wasn't nothing crazy, crazy. Now, uh, crack cocaine hit the streets, you know, thank you, CIA. or well, not, no, thank you, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, they flooded the streets of the ghettos of America with crack, crack cocaine. And it did that. Overnight destroyed the city, it destroyed, I saw it with my own eyes, you know, it destroyed our city. So from that, you know, my father uh, got on crack, you know, um, cause they, they came from the party, you know, the party drugs, marijuana, right. a little cocaine, you know, the, the party yeah. drugs. And they came this new drug crack. And it's like, that just blew everybody's mind. So from there, you know, my mom's, you know, my mom and dad separated. Um, I'm moving, we're moving around neighborhoods. I got picked on a lot, new kid in the block. And at one time I was getting jumped in sixth grade. I was getting jumped here and there. So I just made the choice. I'm like, yo, I'm going to fight back. You know what I mean? Like I got to go to school. You know, I can't, I can't stay home. I can't, you know, I can't hide from them. So, um, you know, I decided to uh, fight back and I beat, I started, I beat them. You know, the guys who jumped me, I got them one by one and I beat them. And I'm like, wow, you know, like, oh man, you know, and, and it kind of garnered me respect. Um, so that's me just understanding the way of the world, you know, at that time, you know, because that's the way the world worked, you know. Um, you beat a couple dudes up in that world, people, people won't mess with you, you know, they'll respect you. So I just didn't want to be messed with. Um, you know, years later, you know, um, I, I started getting into some uh, <clears throat> some kind of street stuff. Sure. And you know, of course, dealing with crack cocaine. And uh, I was making good, you know, making some crazy money as a teenager. But something hit me about two years in. And it's like, yo, you got to you gotta do something with your life, <laughs> you know? Um, I've seen so many friends, not even friends, uh, guys that I knew in the neighborhood, teenagers. We went to school together. We weren't necessarily friends, but, you know, you know those guys. They're dead, you know? Uh, the Philadelphia newspaper did, a, um, I think it was like 92, 91 or 92. They put in the newspaper... 'Cause the cause the violence was crazy now. Now it's violence all over the place. Everybody got guns. Uh a lot of the teenagers are selling crack. It's violence, territorial violence. And they put in the newspaper uh little pictures of all of the teenage the teens under twenty one that were murdered that year. And we were just going through the paper, picking out guys. Oh, that's so and so. Oh man, you know, and uh it was horrible like that. So um at that time I stopped doing, you know, the mess I was getting into. And I was like, man, I got to graduate. I had to graduate high school. I forgot it. You know, like, like I don't want to be dead. I don't want to go to jail, you know? Um, and I, and it was more than that. I felt something. I just had this, and i just use these common words. So I just felt like an inner, a inner, it was like an inner voice. I heard this inner voice, like, yo, you gotta do something. There's more for you, you know? And, um, I'm like what though you know I, I was an artist I mean I am still you know um I'm an artist uh in high school art was my major right on uh, so after lunch I was in art class you know for four periods and then we went home so my 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 goal was to uh fill out the paperwork and go to the art institute of Philadelphia or either New York or or I was looking at San Francisco you know I was just I was just looking and um but my mom, you know, she's a single parent. She didn't go to college. You know, she's working two jobs trying to support three children, and you know, keep the rent and um, keep the rent up. And she never went to college, so she couldn't tell me what to do, fill out paperwork for financial aid, do this, get my portfolio ready, da da da. So next thing I know, it's it's April, mid to late April, and all my friends are getting these acceptance letters to New York Art Institute. You know, uh, you know, going abroad in, in Philly Art Institute. And I'm like, where's mine at? My art teacher's like, you didn't send out nothing. And I'm like, oh, snot, you know? So I'm like, well, what the, what that mean? You know, <laughs> and it's like, you ain't going nowhere, you know? So the Navy recruiter came in my um, advisory class, probably about a week, a week after that. Okay. And it, you know, and and I at that time, that's when I really had that that inner voice conversation with myself. Like, bro, you gotta get the hell out of Philly. You gotta do something. Um, I'm like, man, if I graduate, I'm I'm gonna get back into that nonsense because I didn't see myself working at Checkers. I didn't see myself working at McDonald's. You know, because that that's not that wasn't money to me. You know, and I mean, you know not to sound like I was making millions, but we were making some good money. And it's like I that can't sustain me, you know. Now I'm older. I'm probably be wanting my own place. So the navy recruiter came in to my advisory class. And was like, listen, college money, travel the world, meet girls, <laughs> weekly, you know, monthly checks. I was like, I'm out of here, you know. And um, I joined the navy um, at age uh, 18, turned 18 <clears throat> that summer. Um, I graduated. I told him I wanted to, you know, enjoy my my summer. And then I went after the summer was over. So I joined the Navy in um, September 4th, 1998. Mm -hmm. And um, man, that was it from there. So in joining the Navy, uh, I'm filling out my paperwork for the recruiter. The recruiter tells me, hey, um, what's your, what he asked me, he says, what's your hobby? So I write down art, you know, drawing and boxing because, you know, growing up, you know, my dad, you know, this is when network, uh, Boxing was on network television. I, ABC, I, I Wide
0: World of Sports. ABC,
1: Center. yes, yes, yes. So my dad was, uh, you know, which I found out years later after I'm a world champion, he kind of disclosed to me that he wanted to box when he was young, but he never got a chance to. But uh, my dad, the love for boxing that he had, he sit us down and we watched these fights. You know, I watched Sugar Ray Leonard, Hearns, Hagrid, you know, those guys. Um, Junior Juice Jones. Those yeah. guys, man, and, and, and just other guys, just boxing was like part of me, you know, because yeah. it was, it, it like took hold of me back then, but it was just a little, a little subtle seed at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this you know? is
0: something that we both have very similar here because I tell Chance all the time, this is how I became a boxing fan because of ABC yeah. Wide World of Sports. Yeah. Saturday morning, you turn yeah. on that tube, man, and there they were. And that's where I saw my hero, Marvin Hagler, fight. Uh, um, Oh, my God, uh, Hearns, in, uh, in that amazing fight. And I'm like, after that day, I said, fuck, this is what I want
1: to do for it. the rest of my life. Right, I, right, So,
0: yeah, so, yeah, carry on. So, yeah, you're on you're the so, Navy now.
1: So, yeah, so so I'm in the Navy, and I, well, I'm filling out my paperwork, and I tell them boxing. You know, I put boxing on it also, because throughout my years as a teenager, I got into so many fights. I had, I had people tell me, yo, you should box. I mean, I had some epic fights, like in the street. Streets shut down, neighborhoods out. And then why it's it's kind of an old to what I did become, you know, it's crazy. But uh um, so I tell the guy that I wanted to box. I never got a chance to box while I was in Philly because the neighborhood I was in, there in Philadelphia, there are rec centers. There's one or two rec centers in each neighborhood. Okay. And in each community, and they all had boxing gyms in it, you know. That was like the recreation for the city, boxing. You know, that's why Philly is crazy with boxing. And um, this was 70s, 80s, and even into the 90s. And um, the neighborhood, the end of the neighborhood of the community where I was at, where the boxing gym was, they were, these guys—they were—they were talking about they wanted to kill me and they wanted to do, you know, wanted to harm me. So I'm like, I'm not going down here. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to that gym. You know, they went to that gym, and uh, so that's why I started boxing so late at age 19 because I didn't start boxing until I got into the Navy. Right. You know. Yeah. So when I joined the Navy, went through boot camp, uh, got stationed in Norfolk, Virginia, was stationed on the USS America, which is in Norfolk. Uh, Little Creek Amphibious Base is about 15, 20 minutes away. So we would drive there after work. And that base is where the Navy boxing team headquarters was. You know? Okay. So ironic, you know, it was crazy. So I'm, I'm just driving there going, and I was just working out by myself for like probably eight months, man. Because, you know, I, I just... I just wanted to box, you know, I I didn't care. I I didn't know anything about what I needed to do. All I knew was gloves, bag, let's work, you know? So I I would just train, man, boom, 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 by myself. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, About eight months in, uh, I I started getting trained by a Marine officer named um, uh, Major Hanson. He was my actual first trainer, you know, first official boxing trainer, Major Hanson. Older white guy, you know, if you, if, if the picture of a Marine, that's him. The, the short <laughs> flat top. Oh man. That's my guy, man. Uh, that's him. He is the picture of a Marine. If you think of a Marine as him. So he trained me, he got in the ring with me. And, and even in the military officers weren't supposed to like, you know, spar with enlisted, you know, I was enlisted, but he's just my F that man. We're going we to do this. To that. So me and him would spar and spar and, uh, he got to, we got to a point where you know he was like, man, you want to fight? So I was like, yeah, I want to fight, yes. So um, he got me my first fight. I come into the gym one day. He goes, Cunningham, Cunningham, guess what? I got great news. And I'm like, what? He's like, that's been your first fight. I'm like, yeah, um, against who? So he goes, uh this guy named Israel Spencer. He's the light heavyweight champ of the Navy. <laughs> so this guy's got about 50, 60 amateur fights. Uh, been to the Nationals and all that. And here it is. This is my first fight. But coach, coach believed in me. You know, coach believed in me. So he's like, man, I got you fighting. It's, you'll beat him, man. No problem. He said, I just, one thing, I had the and say you had 10 wins with 10 knockouts. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, which, hey, which you probably had, which you probably had at some point. Right, right. So <laughs> I'm like, great. You know, I, I didn't care. I just wanted to fight. You know, it, it was just about fighting. And um, I get in there. Uh, training, we're training for the fight. Some of the guys from the navy team because I wasn't on a navy team at the time, they came up to the gym trying to discourage me. Oh man, he gonna beat you, man. You don't got no fights. Oh, he's gonna beat you. And uh, night of the fight, I get there and I not, and I and I trashed that guy, I, I ran through him, you know, like he got tired. I kept going and um, I just I, I beat him, you know, I won my first fight against this experienced guy, and uh, I was like, yo, I mean, it was it was so amazing, I was so excited. So when I walked out the ring. The Navy coach, he's he's there. He was his coach, the boxing team coach. He's mm-hmm. coming over here with an application already for me to sign, get on the boxing team. Hey, man, hey, we need you. So um, I go into the locker room, and I just threw up. I mean, that's how hard I was pushing, you know. Was, mm-hmm. It's like, don't lose. You can't lose. You can't, you know. So uh, after that, I joined the Navy boxing team, um, fighting the uh, Armed Forces Tournament. The Air Force, Army, Navy, Marines—everybody's got a boxing team. It's sure. a big tournament, and we fight. Um, I I got a silver, and the guy I fought actually Israel Spencer—he went heavyweight. I stayed light heavyweight. He got a gold. I got silver. We became close friends, but every time we sparred, it was like we trying to—he was trying to get me back for that loss. <laughs> but um, the Army guy was number one in the country, and I think like number two in the world. Oh wow! So I and yeah, so I fight him. I get in there and I hit him, boom! And he almost is out. And um, but I I uh, and then you know he scored. He 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 outpointed me and um, I got the silver. But he was like, man, you're gonna do good in the nationals, you know? So I go to the national tournament. Um, I go to the national U.S. Nationals 1998. I lose because I I I pull the number the number two guy in the country. My first fight. <laughs> and he's, like, number three in the world, um, Anthony Stewart. You know, we had we had some serious, um, like, heavyweights back then. And uh, the first day of that tournament, I pulled Anthony Stewart, and we fight toe-to-toe, ah, and, and, of course, he won. But I thought I won. I thought I wanted to the time. So we were talking trash and ready to fight in the back. But we became friends later, too. You know, the, the passion, man. You know, it's just passionate. You know, I'm passionate. It's a passionate sport. And um uh, so about that was uh March '98. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting ready for the National Golden Gloves uh in May '98. And I go to the National Golden Gloves and I sweep that whole national tournament. I right, beat everybody. Man. Boom, 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 boom. Five nights in a row, man. I'm national champ. Fought on ESPN. You know, the championship was on ESPN. And 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 the crazy thing is, I didn't know what the Golden Gloves national tournament was. I'm there asking the guys. I was with the DC team. I'm like, what, what is this? <laughs> and, you know, they're like, what? So they, they were laughing at me like, oh, man, this dude ain't going to make it. Because, you know, I'm from the Navy. They were from the Washington, D.C. area. Right. You know, so I, I joined up with their team. And um they they, they didn't know me. They're like, oh, this dude going to lose. And there it is. They're ringside at my championship fight, you know, while I win the tournament. But uh so from there, it was 1998. This is my fourth year in the military. Um, I was scheduled to go to China, now that I'm a national champ, I got, I was on Team USA. They sent me a big bag, you know, with the gear in it. That's when you know you made it, man. I was like, ooh, yeah, man. (laughs) Socks, shoes, sneakers, sweatsuits, USA boxing, man, I I made it. And um, they're like, we we need you to go to China, Um, Chongqing, China, for the uh, World Cup, 1998 World Cup. Uh, so I got orders and this is very important. This is the reason why I decided to like leave the Navy and pursue my career. So I got orders to, um, we had, my ship was supposed to go out to sea for three weeks and uh, you know, do workups, Sure. you know, now the Navy, in the Navy, my Lieutenant, he saw me box before he signed my paperwork and was like, you serve the Navy better boxing on the boxing team. And so he's like, as long as I'm here, you're going to go on these trips. I was like, great. When they leave, he transitioned out. He went to another uh, duty station. We get a new lieutenant. This guy is a young guy. He's gung-ho, Navy, just a just fresh out of college. Everything's got to be right. So, But but now I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm training. My ship is out. I'm training in Little Creek Base to go to China. Uh, they didn't want me to go to China um, as a military guy because you know china was communist and they just wanted to be safe like man we don't want nobody kidnapping you Mm -hmm. i was like whoa (laughs) what (laughs) so i had to uh go get a passport now when we travel in the military we travel wherever you don't need a passport but uh now i'm not traveling as military i gotta get a passport and um a visa which i didn't know i didn't know i needed a visa so me and my trainer, we're driving from DC, from Norfolk to the DC, about about an hour and a half, a few times to, to expedite this passport. We do that day of the fight, day of the flight to go to China. I go to his car, I take my bag, throw it in the car. I'm like, yeah, let's go. I mean, he worked the mess out of me, and I was ready. And uh, he's like, nah, you're not going. And I was like, what? What do you mean? He's like. Uh, USA Boxing didn't want you to go over there without a visa. We needed to apply for a visa, too. We didn't know that. They didn't give us the info that we needed. And they're like, if you get over there, you might be stuck. And I was just like, oh. So so from there, now my ship had about a week left to come back. So I just stayed mm-hmm. training and stuff. My ship comes back, and the lieutenant's mad at me for not getting flown out to sea when I found that I couldn't go to China. And he's like, "No more boxing for you. You're strict. and uh, that's when I knew I gotta get out. Mm-hmm. I gotta get out because I wanted this. I went in that tournament, uh, beating Israel Spencer, my first fight. That showed me this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, that showed me that I can I can excel in this. So I yeah. got out the Navy and moved to Atlanta with my trainer, um, who's no longer Major Hanson. I'm sorry, I left that part out. Major Hanson basically handed me over to." Anthony Chase, he was a coach on the 2012 Olympic team. Uh, but Anthony Chase was a former Navy boxer, and he came, and and Coach ha- Major Hanson was like, "Listen Cunningham, we can't spar no more." You know, he's like, "You're getting too good." <laughs> he's like, "You're getting too good." So he's like, and then he said, "Listen, there's only so far I can take you." He said, "Now this guy, he can take you further." I mean, he just he handed me over, you know, and I respected that, you know. Um, so you know, so now Coach Chase moves to Atlanta. I go to Atlanta trying to make the 2000 Olympic team and, you know, we fight in the tournaments. I, I lose to the guy that, um, I beat in the national golden gloves. He went to the, he went to the Olympic. So I'm like, Hey, it's time for me to go pro, you know? So I turned pro in 2000, uh, racked up, um, I think it was like nine fights, 10 fights in like a year. Yeah, your first ten fights, there's not much out there to to find nah. in
0: terms of video or anything. Tell us a little bit about that. Unfortunately, like I said, I mean, in this world of video and everything that's out there, you can find any fight basically. But unfortunately, yeah. those those first ten fights that you had, they're they're kind of hard to find. Fight.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I have my first fight on on VHS. Um, uh, I have awesome. my first fight. I was against I'm Norman going... Jones, right? Yeah, Norman Jones. So. So I turned pro. It's, it's my career, man. That's why I'm like when I, I look back at my career and I'm just like, wow, man, because it, the 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 loops and the the things that we had to go through to get. To, I'm, I'm a freaking two-time world champion, man. If when when you guys hear this, you gonna be like, wow. So so I I I put my my name out on the market. I'm in Atlanta. I don't know if you guys remember Ebo Elder. Remember Ebo Elder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I was really cool with him and his dad, Greg Elder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg was a big wheel down in Georgia, in Georgia boxing. And um, so Greg calls me. He wakes me up out of bed one Saturday. It's literally like 12 o'clock. Me and, me and my wife, now wife, you know, uh, we're in bed sleep. And he's like, hey, Steve, I heard you said you wanted to be, I heard you said you on the pro, um, you know, tour right now. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't want to do no more Amazon. I want to go pro. So he's like, well, listen, I got to fight for you tonight. <laughs> he goes, I got a fight for you tonight. Um, it's against a guy that you were supposed to fight for the Golden Glove to get to the Golden Gloves, but he pulled out the fight for whatever reason. Um, so he's 0 O, Norman Jones, but he was a good amateur. And he said, both of you guys would be your pro debut, but it's at his gym. You know, So his gym was kind of like a, a make sure, it was a barn turned into a gym. It was pretty nice. Um, so he was like, you know, $1,000, you know, um, for four rounds. So I'm like, yo, listen, I was flat broke. I was flat broke. My wife was working. I was working these crazy jobs, and I and I just got fired from a job, an overnight job, and I just like because my wife was like, listen, you can you can train, and and we can live off of my money, you know, because you know we'll we'll just we'll just do that for a while, you know. She wanted me to be the best I could, so um, awesome. I, I was, you know. Being a man though, I'm just like, man, I need some money, you know. So so this this call comes through for thousand dollars. And I'm like, hell yeah, four rounds, 1000 dollars. I'm like, man, I'm gonna beat that dude. So we get down there, I box the socks off of this guy, you know, and I win. Thousand bucks. We go straight to Walmart. <laughs> we go straight to Walmart. And uh so from there, uh, months later, I get a call um about a fight these guys want to look at me He's a small promoter, Andy Zalewski, a guy from Poland. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in, he's from Chicago, actually, Polish guy from Chicago. He's teamed up with a guy named Jimmy Adams um, as a manager. And they, they made this company called power promotions and, you know, they were looking for fighters. So they heard about me and now they wanted, they wanted to see me. So they gave me, got me a fight against, a, against a guy i forgot his name, something Marsh or something. And uh, you know, I, I I did my thing against him, looked good. So they like, hey, we want we want you to sign with us. You know, we'll, we can have you fighting once a month. This and that, and I was like, boom, that's it. So now here's the thing: it wasn't no more thousand dollar fights for four rounds. You guys don't remember? I mean, for those who remember, I was you know those hundred dollar rounds. Those were those were the rounds I was fighting. You know, one hundred dollars per round. So now wow. I'm fighting four rounds. I'm getting four hundred bucks. Uh, I'm fighting a six-rounder, 600. My goal was to, to try to get an eight-rounder or a 10-rounder so I can make some big money. But right. these guys were keeping me moving. You know, I was, you, as you see on my record, boom, 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 boom. I think one month I fought twice. And um, we were down in South Carolina, Tennessee. My first fight was in Savannah, Georgia. So, and this is 2000, 2001. No camera phones, uh, not too much video on that. And it's a low, you know, it's a it's a a minor promotion, you know. So, but from there, Jimmy Adams, he had a relationship with Don King. Jimmy Adams managed Oliver McCall. You guys, remember the Atomic Bull, and yeah, uh, I I sparred with Oliver a bit because we were all like in the same like area camp. I had moved to from Atlanta. I'm in Virginia, Martinsville, Virginia now. Ooh, talk about country. <laughs> And we're, we're out there working out, uh, training with Oliver, a couple other guys, and Jimmy. Now I'm 11 and 0. Or, yeah, I'm 11 and 0. And Jimmy's like, "Listen, it's time to go to Don King because because Power Promotions was falling apart in fighting, and we go to Don King. Now we set up the meeting. Now I'm I'm getting trained by Richie Giachetti. You guys remember Richie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he trained Mike Tyson, Larry Holmes. Yeah, yeah. Richie, old old guy, man. Richie Richie took old me on the swing. Mm-hmm. Old school, you know. So I trained with Richie for a, for a few years, man. From from about 2000 to 2006. I mean, I'm sorry, 2001 to 2007. But uh, so Richie, every we so we go to Don King invites us to Mandalay Bay to come sign the contract during the Lennox Lewis Hasim Rotman two fight. Oh wow! Oh. right. So I we we fly out there. He flew us out there. Uh, we get out there. Now, I was told I was going to get a signing bonus. <laughs> I was told I was going to get a signing bonus because I'm 11 and 0. Um I could I could, you know, grow into a heavyweight, you know, you know, because that's what Don's world was. And I'm expecting a signing. bonus. he's like, yeah, man, about 15,000, probably 20,000. Yeah, you undefeated. So, I mean, I'm, I'm new to boxing. I don't know how it really goes, but that's what I'm told by this guy who's been here. And so me, I tell my wife, yeah, man, I should be coming home with some money you know, this and that. And uh, I, we go to Mandalay Bay. It's my first time in Vegas. I'm blown away because it's a mega fight. It's for the freaking heavyweight crown. There's stars everywhere. Freaking, oh, my God, you name them. McEnroe, basketball stars, Jordan, so-and-so. I'm just like, yeah, oh, like I'm blown away. It's 2002, um, no, 2001, late 2001, I, I believe that's when the fight was. And I'm blown away because I'm like, I'm on my way. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm in Vegas. I, I'm about to sign with Don. Oh, yeah. And uh, I sit down with Don King in the office. It's a conference room. It's a huge conference table. So at the other end of the conference table was Golden Boys people because they were there negotiating a fight with Oscar, and I think, Trinidad or somebody from right. Don Senior. And uh, I'm like, uh you know, I'm talking, so now I'm in here with Don, oh, there's Don King. There's his assistant, Dana Jameson. And I'm like, oh, man, like, so, but but uh, I'm not, I'm not starstruck to the point of, uh, uh, where's the money? <laughs> Let me see this contract so I can read it. And, you know, Don's talking his gibberish.
2: Hey, man, all that
1: crap, you know, and, and my manager, he's now, oh, he was talking all of this and all that. Now I see my manager and this, these years with Don King showed me the business. Right. Because now I see how my manager is acting around Don. He's like a little boy around Don. He's like he's in love with Don. And I'm like, I'm 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 peeping his energy. And I'm like, okay. So Don's like, hey, listen, yo, sign this contract, man. We'll get you fights to the take to the show and this get your career started. Blah, blah, blah. So I take the contract and I'm I don't know. I can't read a damn thing on a freaking contract. I don't know that language. But so I'm just looking for numbers, you know? Yeah. I'm looking for numbers. All right, I see. If you fight for on TV, you get X amount. If you fight for world title, you get this. But I'm like, all right, where's the signing bonus at? Where's the signing bonus? And I, I whisper to my manager, hey, where's the signing bonus? He tells Don, hey, Don, um, he was looking to get a, uh, a signing bonus. And I'm like, that's not what you told me. You know, I'm saying that to myself. And then Don just says, we don't do signing bonuses. I offer you, I can get you a shot at the title. And I was so mad. I was so angry. But I signed it. I signed it. And but you know, I'm one of them people, if if I don't like you, you you'll see it on my face if I'm around you. I just can't hide it. I it's just I can't hide it. I'm not comfortable.
0: Steve, may I kinda just a quick question. So we know you know, before you signed with Don King, we already knew. You know, we already had an idea of who Don King was as a promoter and yeah. the things that he's done in the past. You know, some great, some unsavory, unfortunately. Right, right. And unfortunately, a lot of the times, as humans, we remember the bad more than the good. Right. Knowing all that information, why did you still go, if you don't mind me asking, why did you still go ahead and, and negotiate with him when there were <laughs> other promoters and stuff out there
1: that you could have gone to? Well, we we had talked with, um when I first... Before I no after I got my first fight, my trainer at the time he was acting as my manager, he um, which is Anthony Chase again I'm back to Anthony Chase, right? We were we were talking with the Duvas, we were talking with main events, mm-hmm. and Lou Duva sent the contract, um, you know, and he and he did have some upfront money, and I think it was like twenty five hundred, five thousand, and I was just looking for anything because it it made me feel like I was worth something, you know, right on, right on, um, you know, but uh. So my train my, my my trainer who was acting as my 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 off record manager, mm-hmm. he got the contract and all this and that. I'm ready to sign. Now we don't have the contract for about two weeks now. I'm like, bro, coach, when we go when we gonna sign this contract? What's up? What's up? So he was being smart. He sent it to his lawyer. His lawyer looked over it and he finally told me, he's like, look, Steve, they they want to take me out as trainer, you know, and they want to do this this and that and and you know, fighter and his trainer, man, we're like you know like family you know so yeah i was just like nah you know and there and then there was another capio i don't know if you guys remember this guy named capio i forgot his name he was a promoter from um like massachusetts or something yeah i don't Uh, know this guy well he he was doing some okay things you know he had a television little television uh in he sends me a contract and he sends me a he tells me they're going to fly me up to uh, Connecticut. It was in Connecticut. Fly me up to Connecticut from Atlanta. We go to the airport. I go to the airport, give them my ID. They're like, yeah, you got to pay for your ticket. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm like, what? So I'm like, that's not that's not a good business, you know? So now with the Don thing, so now next is, you know, I get the fights. And now, you know, I'm, I, I'm that's when we decided to just go the lower route and, and you know, build up, then go to a big promoter. I I liked boxing. I love boxing, but I just I wasn't in the boxing. You get what I'm saying? So I wasn't yeah. like even as a, as an amateur, I had a short amateur career. I was from 96 to to 2000, you know? A four-year amateur career. So you had and two, like, you had over 200 fights in the amateurs, correct? No, no, no. I had uh, I had about 50 fights. I had about 55 oh, 50. fights as an amateur. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Okay, okay. Yeah, I had about 50, 50 fights as an amateur, and I was, you know, I was I was Navy I never boxed in Philly. I you know, so I wasn't in the boxing circles to where I could hear that stuff about what Don did. Of course you hear about stuff in the news and you know, but you know, that that you know that didn't Did Don King actually pay you? Huh? Did Don King actually pay you? Yeah, I never to tell you the truth, I never had an issue with money with Don King. Now I had okay. issues in other in other places but uh i never had an issue hold on, i'm sorry let me let me text my wife she's at the hospital with my daughter um everything okay yeah 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 my daughter's getting a biopsy uh she you know this is a um normal thing for her you know like every three months or every four months right. now right? just right, to right, check around, right. make sure everything's right yeah no we'd love with, to get, get into heart. that a little yeah. bit well,
0: we'll get into that a little bit uh, here but yeah carry on man this is a beautiful yep. story Speed it up. Yep. so uh
1: so 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 I didn't know all of that stuff about Don, you know, um, not right now is where I'm getting into boxing, the boxing world now. Sorry. Um, I'm getting into the boxing world to where um, I'm, I'm starting to learn and pick up and see things. Like I told you, I'm now I'm watching my manager and I'm like, he this is nowhere near like what he said, <laughs> you know, this meeting with Don King, he looks like a little boy in, 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 in freaking Willy Wonka land, happy to be around Don King. I'm like, what the hell? So, so now And we I call signed, that
0: marking out.
1: Right, right. Basically. <laughs> so now I signed the contract with Don. I'm super pissed. Don can see my face. Like I'm just sitting there like this. Like <laughs> and Don can see my face. And he says, Listen, Steve, listen. Let's get you these tickets to this fight tonight. And if you don't feel comfortable with the way anything uh by tomorrow with the contract and we'll just rip it up tomorrow. And I, for some reason, I knew that was bullshit. <laughs> I knew that was bullshit. So, so I went downstairs. I got away from my manager. I went downstairs, and I was just so mad at everybody. And I called my wife, and I was just going off. Like, man, these motherfuckers, man. Oh, this shit is crazy. It's not what it was. Nah, So she was just like, man, this is working out. So I was, and in all actuality, I, I, I came to this place of, Throwing, I was gonna throw my first fight with Don so he could let me out the contract. Oh wow! That's how mad I was. That's how mad I was. That is how mad I was. Um, but then it was like, I don't gonna do that. You know, that was that, that was a serious thought though. I was I I freaking deliberated over that. You know, but it's like, nah, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best. You know, like I always do. And mm-hmm. so my mm-hmm. first fight with Don happens to be at the Mandalay Bay the next year. Um, and I get knocked down my first, the first round. I fought a guy named, um, Joseph Awunagi. Right. Actually, me and him are really cool right now. Cause, uh, his kids box, his son boxes. His son is like a top amateur. I mean, this kid's like a 19 time national champ. His kid is good. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, and I take my kids to the tournament and, uh, you know, we talk a lot, but Joseph knocked me down. Boom. And from there, Don King marked me. You know, I got up and outboxed him and won the fight, but Don King marked me, you know, so, so from there, Don was trying to send me to, you know, feed me to all his other cruiserweights. And, and so if you look at my record, then I went from fighting once a month to fighting with Don literally almost once a year. I think it was one year with Don, I fought twice in in eight, eight or nine years. I think it was eight years, eight or nine years I was with Don and, um, but all all, all all throughout them years, I'm fighting once here, once there. Each fight was key in moving me up because I won. And the reason why I I, I stayed in shape, I treated I treated boxing like it was a nine to five job. I right. would get up every day, run. I didn't have a fight on schedule. It's true, sometimes I would go out to camp for a couple of weeks and just be out there, you know, just training. Um, I'm beat this guy, beat that guy. I fought uh I, I I trained with uh I sparred with uh Jean-Marc Mormon when he fought Virgil Hill in South Africa. Mm-hmm. I went cool. to South Africa because my trainer was training Jean-Marc, Richie, Richie J. Kennedy was training Jean-Marc. So it was in-house sparring. <clears throat> I go out to uh uh South South Africa, I'm sparring Jean-Marc, and I get a fight, you know, because I'm like, man, I'm out here sparring, I'm gonna be ready. They might as well throw me on the card. Uh so Don agrees, yeah, let throw him on the card. So they set me up with the fight against the number seven ranked cruiserweight in the world. I don't even know where I'm at in the rankings right now. You know, I'm like 13 and 0, 14 and 0, um, probably like top 20. I get to fight this guy, Sebastian Rotman, who just lost his IBO title, like his last fight. He just lost. it, And I'm about to fight a former world champ. And I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm in Africa. I love it. You know, Africa was beautiful. Um uh, it, it, it was just a the whole new experience, you know, I'm, I'm in another country, but, the, you know, and that's, that's what I looked at boxing as, You know, when they, when, when I was a teenager and kid, oh, sorry. All, right, <laughs> oh, all good. All good, brother. When I was a teenager and a kid and they said, you're a world champion, you know, when they said he's a world champion, I would always envision like, man, this dude traveled and fought in Italy. He fought, you know I mean? That's just the way I looked at it. And, um, even though most don't now, but that's what I look forward to, you know, and now I'm doing, it, you know, I'm living it. I'm I'm in South Africa about to fight, you know, on TV and this and that. So um, actually in that training camp, me and Jean-Marc Mormon, there was a language barrier, you know, because he only speaks French. Mm-hmm. He spoke very broken English, you know, and he, you know, he's a finicky guy because he was a WBA champ, you know, and, and he was a yeah. finicky yeah. dude, you know, so we're training and, I I only have two years now. I now I, I you know I've learned I've learned how to work with somebody and not be a punching bag. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've been I've been to training camps with everybody. You name them from them from them nineties two thousands. I've been to camp with them. Wow. Uh, but um, with Jean Marc Mormick, at this time I I didn't know and I, I left something out. I, I completely left something big out. <laughs> right before I turned pro. I I got chance to go spar with Chris Bird. Right. Oh wow. Right after that tournament, I got chance to spar with Chris Bird. He was about to go fight Vladimir. Uh, this is the fight when he beat Vitaly. Wow. And I went to camp with Chris for like two, I'll say about ten days. I was down. And I sparred him about four good times, and uh, he paid me, and that was freaking great because I was I was broke, <laughs> you know, and he paid me. I got paid for sparring and. Um, but Chris, I learned so much sparring Chris Bird, from Chris beating up on me and and teaching yeah. me because I was so green. I even have that on video. I got to get it turned digital. Wait till I share that. I look so green. But were Chris, you surprised he beat Klitschko? Say it again. Were you surprised that Bird upset Klitschko in that fight, or did you know? It was I, the, I wasn't. No, it? I wasn't surprised because at that time, uh, if you guys can remember, the the big European dudes they weren't killers back then. You know, right. like. Before them, you know, you know, oh, the big European guy oh, he's just big, you know, so that's how we looked at at the Klitschko's in the beginning. That's how everybody kind of looked at them until they started really, you know, showing us they're different, you know, but but sparring with Chris. I, I, I just we became like brothers, you know, cool. and uh, we're still brothers to this day. Awesome. She, th- their wife named uh, his wife, his ex-wife. She named our daughter. She named Kennedy. You know, that's how tight we became. Wow. So, um. I just was supporting Chris no matter what, but the, the craftiness, man, I'm like, man, he should beat this big guy. But, uh, so he ends up beating him. And, uh, and, and, but, but I learned so much from Chris Bird to where a guy that used to beat me up in sparring from the Canadian, um, Olympic team, uh, Chris Johnson. Mm -hmm. I I came back after that camp uh, about two weeks and man, I barely got touched by Chris, Chris Johnson. And I was like, and that's when it hit me. I was like, yo, I gotta go spar up. I had to spar guys better than me in order to get better because that was my constant thing, getting better, right. run, run more, more weights, you know, more boxing, get better, better, better. I, I see Roy Jones. This dude's going 12 rounds, not looking like he's tired. I want to be like that. You know, how right. do I get like that? You know, so mm-hmm. that was my thing. So now I'm, I'm in South Africa, um, sparring with jean Mark Mormont. My trainer, Richie, tells me um, basically work with him. You know what I mean? Like work with him. So you know, not don't don't kill him because he he gets discouraged and all this and that. So I you know pop pop we working boom boom and I just didn't know how to work like that. I even knew how to just be docile or be me, mm-hmm. you know, and go after me. So after about a week we're sparring and my trainer kind of is like yelling at me now. Now I have the notice that I'm fighting. So I'm worried, like listen, it's time to start training me too because he hasn't been giving me really instructions. We haven't been working one on one. He's been right. just concerned about the champ and I'm like shit I'm gonna be champ someday like bro you need to you need to work with me you know so he's yelling at me in the ring your feet's wrong yeah this is wrong you're yeah, not wrong and I just lost it and was like motherfucker boom I'm like you ain't been telling me shit <laughs> boom all fucking week boom y'all and I'm hitting John Mark boom boom I hit him one time he was like and we we, we had like a, a second part and just was like cats and dogs blah, blah, blah. Oh man! So they they fired me that day. <laughs> so I got fired from uh, sparring Jean Marc. I wasn't allowed to spar him. South <laughs> Africa. I was the only one there. You know, like my trainer kind of stopped talking to me, even though we trained. He he sided with Jean Marc, right? And that's kind of when I kind of peeped him. You know, because it's like he he's going after. He, and I'm like I'm this guy, but. Jean-Marc was making more money. He was the champ. And I'm like, oh, he's one of them guys. So I, I learned him. I learned, you know, Richie. Uh, South African fight. I beat Jean. I beat um, I beat the champ. I mean, the former champ. Now I'm number seven in the world. Boom. I'm popping now. You know, people talking about me. Uh, I beat Guillermo Jones. You guys remember Guillermo? Yeah. Guillermo was a beast. I, I beat him in a split decision. Um, And the only reason that was kind of split was because uh, you guys remember Angel Manfredo, Freddie.
2: Oh, for sure. absolutely. You know, yeah, right. So
1: so remember, like when I was coming up, amateur, he was, he was killing, you know, but that was before we fought Floyd and all that, before he we kind of went a little crazy, uh, you know, and uh, he would wear these red tights, you know, the whole devil persona before the Jesus thing. Yes. And, yeah, right. So, so I wanted to match like that, you know, I wanted to, I took something from him. So I, I, I had a whole black outfit. I wore these black tights all the way down to the ankle not knowing that crap was gonna kill me <laughs> and and I and I trained in them a few times but it wasn't there, there's a difference between training in them lights under the, in the fight yeah. being under them lights there's a freaking difference the energy the ex, you know the excitement and are just working and um in the fight now I know I'm in shape I'm in shape I know I'm in freaking shape I know it but in the fight, it's like round four. This is an eight-round fight. It's probably like round three or four. I sit down and I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not that. I just feel drained. And I'm, I don't know why. I'm like, what the hell's going on? So it kind of made the fight a little more, you know, interesting for, for Guillermo Jones, because I wasn't who I could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why the fight was a split decision. I still squeaked it out, but I was, yo, at the end, I was like, I had to come to a choice of, Keep my hands up and fight, which would seem like too much energy because I was so drained, and or just work. And I just went in there and work and just push, push, push. And at the end, I was so dead tired. And then I get to the locker room and I tell Richie, I'm like, yo, man, I was freaking so tired. And he looked and he was like, You got these damn tights on, you know, like they're freaking holding in your heat. Like I was overheating. It was crazy, man. So, right. So I I wanted that. Um, I wanted to rematch with and I almost got it. But um, so I beat Guillermo Jones. Uh, I forgot who else I fought after him. But then I fight Kelvin Davis, right. former IBF champion in Cleveland. And this is this is the fight. This is my biggest fight. You no, know, this is bigger than the South Africa fight. That was my biggest fight. Now, and then I fought Guillermo Jones, a former world title challenger. He fought for the title at 147. Now he's cruising But this is it. Fighting for the number one spot. You know, to fight for a world champion against a former world champ. And I'm like, oh, man, I trained my butt off. Uh, brought in my other coach to do mitts because Richie's hands were so busted up. He said his hands busted up from training Mike Tyson and Larry Holmes. And he's older. He's in the 60s. Yeah. He's I can't do mitts. So I brought in my old trainer, Anthony Chase, and we rekindled. And uh, I just got sharp, man. So I get out there. I, I put on a boxing lesson and a little rumbling with Kelvin Davis, you know, because he he did have that Mike Tyson persona. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I won the unanimous decision, and now I'm number one in the freaking world to fight O'Neal Bell, yeah. which is another story in itself, because in Atlanta, me and O'Neal Bell, when O'Neal was a, a young pro, probably like two fights as a pro, I was an amateur national champ. Me and him were sparring all the time. Oh man. And it was one of them things where if I, if I fought smart boxing on the bell, wasn't hard. You know, if I, if I, if I box, but if I fought his fight, cause I, I, at that point, I wasn't who I was, who I am. You right. know what I'm saying? Mentally in box. I didn't understand a lot. I was learning still, even though I'm 21, 22, I'm, I just started boxing at 19. So I'm, I'm learning how to be me. And, but, a guy like O'Neill Bell, he's a bruiser, man. I mean, he 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 bring you that. He, if you box him, it's easy. But I would fight sometimes. I would always I would fall into rumbling him. And that's when he would get over on me. You know, so it'd be any given day, it'd be O'Neal, it'd be me. And then I just started kind of just boxing him, and it was me, me. So um now I'm number one to O'Neal Bell's crown because O'Neill Bell now has he he stopped Jean-Marc Marmock. And he took the WBA and the W, he's got three of the belts. O'Neal Bell's got three of the belts. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, I'm about to be unified. <laughs> I'm okay. like, I know I can beat this dude. And uh, and I've gotten even better since those amateur days. And uh, you know, me and O'Neill Bell talked some smack at the press conference. And uh uh I heard he, you know, of course, you know, he was he was with Al, so he won at that time, he wanted a lot of money. Which he should have. You know, he won like a million dollars to defend the, his titles. And we you know the cruiseways wasn't making that type of money, you know, in America. So he vacated the IBF. And now I have to go to Poland, who was the number three, Christoph Lidarchik, he's the number three um guy. Now this is where Don King doesn't didn't have any any care for me. You got a guy, you got a tall guy, you got a veteran. I'm a navy veteran. 9-11 happened. Everybody was so patriotic. I mean, it was unbelievable. Oh, you in the military? Oh, I love you. You know, they just loved us, you know, yeah. veterans. It was just unbelievable. And um we're like, man, he should have, he should have promoted all of that for me, you know. Like that would have I, I should have been a household name just off of that in itself. You know, but and, and the salute, <laughs> you and know. And Don's I mean, patriotic himself. He's always waving those American flags. it's am surprised right. he didn't do that. Right, and and I'm I'm now I'm was after the South African fight. That's when I I started, or oh, during the South African fight. That's when I started calling myself USS Cunningham, you know. So that's 2004. But everybody's still patriotic. It's still hot off of 9/11, and I'm like, bro, let's let's run with this, you know. Yeah. Shit, and they just didn't. So, um, but now you know I'm I'm like, uh, we fight O'Neill. Uh, we're trying to fight O'Neill. He vacates the title. I gotta. I got to deal with Don King now. Don has to win the purse bid um, against the Polish guys. Right. Don doesn't have any care for me like that because it's like, I'm not, I'm not knocking dudes out. I'm not knocking these dudes out. A fan once said in a comment box years ago, when people were kind of getting on me, like, you know, Cunningham, Cunningham don't have no power. Cunningham don't have this, he ain't that. You know, he just squeaks by, gets these decisions. And this one fan said it right. He said, You guys gotta look at Cunningham's record. Look at who he's been fighting. I've been fighting top dudes since 04. Right. Top contenders. And he was like, show me a fighter that's knocking out top guys all the time.
0: Right. On. You
1: know, he's like, show me a fighter. And 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 I kind of prove him because in my, you know, you know, I I shoot, I stopped Marco Huck. You know, knock Fury down. So it's not that I didn't have the power. It's just I was up against some top upper echelon elite cruiserweights. So Don didn't win the purse bid. We know Don has the money. Don could have won that purse but He didn't win the purse bid. The Polish, he let the Polish promoters win the purse bid. So what we found out is these promoters, they wash each other's hands. You know, and listen, you take this cruiserweight title, but you give me something, you know, on the back end. You know what I mean? I'll let you have that cruiserweight title in Poland. And when they controlled, they controlled the fight. They did so much dirt. It was unbelievable. They I I was I was sponsored by Grant. Hold up. Let me plug my iPad up. I was sponsored by Grant Boxing. And um, and I was supposed to, you know, my gloves were supposed to be worn. I get the polling. They took my gloves from me. They gave me some lame everlast gloves, you know, these smaller gloves. I mean, these gloves felt like mitts. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was yeah. like, what? Um, they switched the judge. It wasn't supposed to be a Polish judge. Um, uh, there was supposed to be a um, there was a, a specific German judge. They switched him and then they put in a Germ, a Polish judge, and they did, they just did so much other stuff. So I get into the fight, we fight. This is the first world title fight in Poland in their history. It's me. (laughs) You know, it's unbelievable. And uh, we get there. uh, We fight. Boom. I lose the fight. They give the fight to him on the scorecards. Now, the American judge, I don't know that guy. Never met him before in my life. He had me winning 11 rounds to one. (laughs) 11 to one. Yeah. And and the other judge, the Polish judge, of course, gave Krzysztof seven rounds, eight rounds, and the German judge gave them like nine, you know, so they they still So we learned. That was us learning. Um but we go to the locker room, nobody get after the fight, they didn't give us the drug test. This is a, a rule in the IBF um sanctioning. You must give a post fight drug test or it's an automatic immediate rematch. Mm-hmm. So we're in the locker room. It's already late. I mean it's like one in the morning Polish time. I'm on the phone. Everybody's like, "They robbed you, man! They robbed you, oh, all yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so um, the the security comes and basically kicks us out. They're like, "We're closing the stadium." So I'm like, "I'm telling them, yo, I gotta do the drug test." And my my manager was like, "Shh, <laughs> don't say nothing." So we didn't say anything. They never gave us the drug test. Nobody never came in and said pissing his cup like they usually do. We get to the press conference and my, my manager told me, Richie J. Ketty, trainer/slash manager, was like, listen, uh, we're gonna get the immediate rematch. They didn't get a drug test. So at the press conference, I was so mad because you know, and, and I get it, the Polish people, they 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 love their they their their support is unbelievable. All the European countries they support their fighters like anything. Oh, they do.
0: Can. Absolutely it's unbelievable.
1: So I'm I'm sitting at the joint and I'm just mad because they're it's like they're just so happy for him. And I'm like, he didn't win, you know? But this is, again, this is my first world title fight. This is my first time on the big stage. This is my first big money fight. This is a $115,000 fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I went from fighting. I fought that January. I had to beg Don King to put me on that O'Neill Bell, Jean-Marc Mormick undercard um, because I'm like, I'm number one to whoever wins. I said, it only makes sense. You know what I'm saying? It makes sense to put me on the card. This dude gets me a guy named Lloyd Bryant. You know, somebody who's just beat up and puts me on first. Wow. He's reluctant. My minimum with Don King was $5,000. I was supposed to get no less than $5,000. I got $3,500 for that fight. Mm, and he acts wow. like he was doing me a favor. Oh, man. Ah, all right, all right. I'll put you on, but only $3,500, though. And I'm just like, whatever. I freaking got to take it, you know. Got to freaking take it. I wanted to be on that show. I wanted to be yeah. there. I get there. I'm the first fight. My family didn't get in the building. The venue oh. didn't open the doors until the third round. Good thing I didn't knock them out till the fifth round. <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. So that's the that's the Don King I dealt with. That type of stuff. So so now um, I get paid. So I went from 3,500 in January of 2006. To now, I think it's November, of uh, one point five. I mean one one. I wish one hundred thousand fifteen one hundred fifteen thousand dollars in in you know in eight months. Right. And I'm like, now we're like boom. So, not knowing, and this is some. This is the reason why I wanted to do. I want to do like a a course for. Um, sorry, make sure this joint's plugged. I want to do a course for future boxers, right? For young boxers coming in because. Um, my thing is not charging, and that's a problem. All right, there we go. So I want to do like a course. Kind of like a um, you know how the NBA does it. Yeah, like all the major NBA. sports, they bring them in and they talk
0: right. about finances, talk, how to right. talk about taxes, yourself.
1: yeah. Right, all of that stuff. Managers, what the managers should get. Me mm-hmm. and Chris Bird talked about that. And uh one day that's gonna happen. Kind of like a fighter um, union. Right. We need to we need to we need to have a, a few old fighters, old former world champions. You get these new kids from the new Olympic year or anybody who wants to come in. Listen, this is, this is our experience. And this is what to look out for because right I didn't have anything to look out for. I didn't, the only person that was talking to me was Chris Burr, And he would tell me, cause so by now, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been to, you know, that one camp with Chris, but we're talk, but uh, we talk more later, but uh, so let me keep going. So uh, I get the fight's over I'm I'm pissed. I know I'm going to get the rematch, and I tell them at the press conference, I'm coming back and I'm taking my freaking title. So they're laughing at me. <laughs> this dude's crazy. So we leave. We file the protest. <clears throat> well, oh no, no, I'm sorry. Before we leave, this is make this is major. The promoter comes to my room that evening with ninety thousand dollars in cash in his hand. Now, wow. when you fight overseas. You have to pay that country's taxes. Yes, you know, so that comes off the top every time I fought. And I fought a receipt about seven times. You know, but this is the first. So I'm like, all right, cool. Um, he showed us the, the, the receipt. Uh, you know, Polish tax, blah, blah blah, boom. Here's here's ninety thousand. So, but now it's me, and my wife, my uh, my trainer uh, Richie, and we're we're shook. We're like, I'm I'm shook because I'm like, what the fuck? We gotta go through customs. Yeah, you know, with all this money, they'll take my money. So, so um Don King had a representative out there too, Juan Juan Gonzalez, the guy that you know, he was there to collect the money for Don. Cause when the promoter doesn't win the purse bid, the fighter pays a percentage that's negotiated in their contract to their promoter. Okay. You know, promoter gets a cut. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that until now. You know, this, you know, so um so now I'm divvying up the ninety thousand. My trainer, who is my manager, Richie GK, he was getting 25% for management, which he flopped on here in Poland. I'm like, this dude not getting his full amount because they took my gloves. They switched the uh, the judge. They, switched, they did this. And I'm like, he didn't do his job. So right. but so I, I told him, I'm like, Richie, man, listen, I'm, I'm going to give you like 20% because he's already getting 10% for training, too. So Richie right. leaves yeah. with 30%. Boom. Right. Now uh Don's guy, the negotiation with that—that that was like twenty-six per twenty-seven percent. I never knew to negotiate that percentage. I didn't know. That's from the first. That was from two thousand. Me signing that contract in two thousand one. You don't know about signing. So now that that percentage is like 25, 26 percent. He gets almost thirty thousand. Boom. And I'm left with twenty. I was left with like twenty-eight thousand dollars, yo. Wow. Uh, and I'm like, what the fuck, yo? That moment. I was like, "What the fuck?" I did all this training, yeah. All this fighting, yeah. Got robbed. I lost my undefeated record,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and I'm leaving here with less than my fucking promoter.
0: <laughs> so, my <laughs> like God how,
1: left me thirty thousand.
0: That first defeat. How did you handle it? Like, I mean, money Man, aside oh, and everything. What was that first loss for you like?
1: Devastating. Right. Devastating. I mean, it hurt me because. I'm a perfectionist, I I and, and I'm a, I'm a realist. My thing is, if you put the work in, you're gonna be the best. Absolutely, and I seen it in Floyd, I have seen it in Roy, I have seen it in these guys, and so that's what I'm out there. Yo, you can ask my wife. Shit, some of that stuff kind of kind of um, I'll say I won't say hurt my marriage, but it you know the way I had to live, it took time away from my marriage. Right, you know right. because I'll get up, run. Yo, my wife says she knew. She said she went, I remember my wife got her gallbladder taken out and she was like, she was telling the operator, the doctors to hurry up and bring her upstairs because she wanted to see me before I left. Cause she knew it was, it was five o'clock and she knew I was going to go to the gym (laughs) and they bring her up and I was gone. I got to go to the gym. That's how, that's how I was. Babe, you all right? Cool. I'm out. I got to go to the gym. She knew how, that's how I did it. It was like my religion. Right, and it was right. my way of life. And um, I'm like, I did I do all of this. I swim, I lift weights, I sprint, I'm running miles, I'm I'm wearing weights on my back while I while I box, weights on my wrist, da, da, da. And I'm like, they fucking cheated me. Right. You know, so yeah. I, dude, I was you can man, listen, I was walking around the house at any given time, burst out in tears. <sighs> Cause I I felt like I shouldn't lose. I just felt like that. So we get the hearing, we win the hearing for the rematch, immediate rematch. I'm elated. I'm excited. I'm excited for a couple of reasons. Cause now I get to make, make another big paycheck. I now, and I get to get my time, I get to re I avenge my loss. So, um, I fire Richie. I fire him at this time because he didn't do his job. And it was some other stuff that happened. And I was just watching and adding and I was just like talking with Chris Bird and his wife. Cause Chris Bird's wife was his manager. And she was explaining, like, you know, my wife has a marketing degree from Boston University, hmm. and she was like, "Man, Libby, you can be Steve's manager. Y'all just get the lawyer. We got a lawyer. Um, our our lawyer is um John Horn. That's um Floyd's lawyer, Vladimir's lawyer, and he was Chris Bird's lawyer. Oh, okay. John's a freaking good dude. He's the only lawyer that beat Don twice. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's a bad dude. So we we took John on. Um, got rid of Richie. Brought my wife on as manager. Now my amateur coach Anthony Chase is my head trainer now. Okay. Now I got. Now I go over. We spank. We spanked this kid. Beat him. Take the belt in Poland. Uh, here's another thing about money. That fight was ninety thousand dollars. The second fight for me it was ninety thousand. I left that. I left with. Almost seventy thousand bucks. <laughs> oh,
0: wow! Stark <laughs> different from the first time, eh?
1: It's completely different now. Yeah. You know, now we're now we're watching percentages. We knowing this, we knowing that. Right. And, you know, boom. I and and we paid Don his money. We we negotiated that percentage down, and and Don didn't think I was going to win, but now I come back a champion. Now I come back a freaking world champion, and he's like, he's excited, but but he sends me to Germany. Uh, The next year. And here it is again. I win the title. I win the title in. Oh, no, not the next year. I'm sorry. At the end of that year. This is the year I fought twice in a year. Right. I beat of Zdarchek. I think it was May. May of 06. And now I fight Marco Huck December. I mean, May of 07. Now I fight Marco Huck December of 07. Don King loses the purse bid again. Now I have to go to Germany. Marco Huck's hometown. Where he grew up—that's where we're fighting <laughs>
2: right.
1: in his hometown. And and Marco Huck's a beast. Yep. You know, he fought, he beat Vadim Tokarev. Yeah. The fight before mine, Vadim Tokarev was supposed to be the future of the cruiserweight division, mm-hmm. and Marco Huck made him look like a kid. I'm watching that fight like, oh, snap, I got to fight this monkey. <laughs> you know, I got, like, man, I got to fight this guy. And Marco Huck's like 21 years old, 22 years old. I just hit 31. Right. Um, everybody's like, Cunningham's got to fight Marco Huck. Um, First bid happened. I got to go to Germany. So all of the United States and American and European media wrote me up. Cunningham's going to lose his world title, his first defense. Uh, and I didn't look good in that, in winning the title. I didn't look, I wasn't I was in there like, <clears throat> because I, I learned fighting overseas, you have to be better than what you are. You have to be stronger, more, you have to be more diligent. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you can't just sit back and box in Europe. You ain't going to win that. You got to go get them guys. So my whole boxing thing was out the window. I went at him and and they they tried to cheat. They They knew I was kind of a mover. So they made the ring one of those slippery, you know, one of those plastic tarps.
0: Oh, man. It wasn't
1: canvas. So so by the fourth, fifth round, I'm double jabbing, slipping and sliding. And I'm I'm like, let this guy throw a punch, and I fall. I slip. It's going to be called a knockdown. So that's what I had in the back of my head. So that was a real ugly fight. I looked bad. Everybody looked bad, but I got the win. That's all Mm -hmm. that mattered. And Marco Huck and their team, they saw that fight. They were so big-headed. Or we going to kill Cunningham. Blah, blah, blah. So Don, I went to Don. Now Don is, um, you know, I went to Don's office. We negotiated the amount. Uh, this fight is 200,000. 200, I'm like, sure, make some money. Yeah. But, but listen, I'm a world champion. 200,000, that's not a lot of money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But as a cruiserweight, that's all we can get. But it's still a lot of money to me, shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? 200,000 for a fight that's a lot of money, but world champions is fighting for four or five, 600,000. You know, I remember when, when dudes used to travel overseas, you knew you was getting paid. I mean, right. paid, but, but, so, you know, the whole excuse is it's the cruiserweights. Okay, cool. So we negotiate that purse, Um, and, and Don's like, yeah, man, you know, to finish title. And it, there was no future plans because Don's thought I was going to lose too. I get to, um, Germany. Um, this is one fight I cried. I cried before this fight. I I just I just saw Mike Tyson uh of Reels by Mike and Mike was like, I cried before every fight. And I kind of I didn't cry before every fight. It was it was a couple fights I, I drew tears before. But the Marco Huck one was the main one. I mean, I was up, I was I had to go hide, man. I was it was right before the bus came to get us to take us to the uh, arena. Mm-hmm. And my whole training camp. Like, I'm a runner. I like to run. I got what's called runner's knee. Because my, my mind was like, man, I I was in camp with Chris Bird. Now I've been going back and forth to camp with Chris Bird. Now I'm as a champion, you know, and we we even tighter. <laughs> and uh, Chris, we ran 10, we did a 10-mile run one time up Red Rock Mountain in Vegas. And I'm like, man, I feel great. So I come back home, now I got the hook fight. I'm like, man, I'm going to run 10 miles like twice a week, you know, because that's going to get me in better shape. I run. I run the ten mile run in Philly around the river, and the next, the next time, two days later, I try to go run it, and I couldn't. I took. I ran about two blocks, oh, and man. I just had to stop. The pain was so excruciating, and I'm like, "Yo, this is the beginning of camp." That I go to the doctor, like, "Yo, you got runner's knee. You can't run. Chill." So I'm like, "Man, I can't chill. Like, that's that's me. My thing is being in shape. How do I be in shape without running?" So I tried to do that long. I tried to do a small, a short run. Got a little further, broke down, broke down again, and I'm like, oh my god! Now I'm like, we're like, we're like two weeks into this like seven week camp, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my god! This kid going to freaking kill me. <laughs> this motherfucker, 22 years old, he's strong. Oh my god! So I saw Juan Diaz. You remember Diaz, right? From oh, yeah. Texas. He was a beast. That boy just throw punches. Bah, 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 bah. He did an interview and he was like, "I swim and I do the uh, stair climber." He said, "I don't run long distance," and I was like, "What?" So I'm learning. So I I, I found out how he how he um did the stair climber uh, sprints, like like um or or I start. I found somebody that taught me how to do these ten floor sprints. So you do mm-hmm. regular ten steps and then you and then you turn that joint up. You do ten floor sprints. Do that for like twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Oh my god. So I did that. I would swim. I started swimming like crazy, and I still could do sprints though. I still could do short burst sprints. So I was killing that. This stuff had to replace the long distance running. Yeah. And good sparring, man. I had good sparring. Eddie Chambers, Chaz Witherspoon, Yusuf Mack. Um. Now I'm trained by Brother Nazim. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was getting trained by Brother Nazim, but this is when Nazim had that stroke. His first stroke. Right right, and he, he kind of he couldn't train me, so now I'm with my uh I'm with my amateur trainer still we go to Germany um Marco Huck is the man over there uh he's talking so much smack like he's gonna beat me. we had just bought a pizza shop because we were we were trying to maximize you know the money we got you know we just made I just came home with seventy thousand dollars actually, what I did was I took a loan offered my $200,000 purse for the hook fight. Good thing about Don, That's what I'm saying, I I mean, I my my interest with Don wasn't necessarily money up front because if he would have fought me, I I'd, I'd have had the money to do it myself. Right. But it was it was just not getting the fights. So, we found we were actually I lived in the ghetto like as a world champion right before the Marco Hook fight, we were looking to move out of West Philly and we found a house They didn't accept our offer, and my wife was like, "Hey, how about forget getting a house? Let's get this pizza shop. It'll make money for us, you know, because the way we've been fighting once a freaking year, we need some money coming in." And my wife wasn't really working, um, because my daughter had came home from the hospital, you know, and she, my daughter had a tray, she had a heart machine, she had da da da, she had like uh sixteen hours of nursing, you know. So my wife stayed home. My wife stopped her career. And to help my daughter, and so now I'm like, yeah, let's get the pizza shop. But it was like seventy thousand down, so I just called Don. I was like, hey Don, I need. That. And he was like, yeah, cool. But he only do that because he know I'm about to fight, and he know he gonna get that money back. So I couldn't call him right now, and be like, hey Don, I need. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so he knew he's getting his money back when I fought. So it was just an upfront of you know he fronted me the money. Boom, we got the pizza shop. And overall that didn't go as planned, (laughs) but it was, it was the way we were thinking, you know? So uh,
2: they
1: come down, they're like, Hey, Vans on his way. Be here in 15 minutes. I got my bag. Well, they got my back. I got my headphones. And it's kind of like a little dip, like down in the basement and off the lobby. And I just go down there and sit on the steps. I'm by myself. And I just start freaking crying because I'm like, this is what I wanted, you know, for, for years to be a world champion, and and on paper I was going to lose. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm in, the, and we know when you fight overseas, they got two judges in the box, in the, in the pocket. At least at least one of the judges and the doctor, or two judges. They or shit, two judges and a doctor. <laughs> I've experienced it all. You yeah. know, afterward. But but I'm like, I'm just like, I don't want to lose. You know, I don't want to lose, and I just start crying because I'm just like. And I just was like, yo, this is going to be the hardest fight of this dude's life. You know what I mean? I said, this is going to be the worst fight of his life. If he beats me, he's going to remember this freaking fight because I'm not laying, I'm not just laying down. And I, you guys seen the fight? I went out there, man, and I just kept getting better and better. And he started, he kept, he just wasn't that monster to me. Yeah. And and I stopped him in the 12th. And that, right, that fight, which I think is my bet to me and my wife, that's my greatest victory okay because and, cool. and not only because of who he was before it's who he became after right you know what i'm saying he's a monster yeah. man so that's oh, yeah. my greatest
0: victory. well all the emotion and everything that led up to it i kind of you know it's just it's more than just the fight itself it's everything it's everything it, right
1: it's uh, the life it's money it's taking know, care of my family it's all of that so steve how did
0: I am sure this is something that our listeners want to hear about. And you know, just
1: right. because he's in the news
0: and whatnot. How did the Tyson Fury fight come up? And how did you end up in becoming a heavyweight?
1: So, all right. I'm a, I'm gonna make it I'm gonna I'm I'm make it as fast as I can impactful But uh after the Huck fight, I lost my title to Adamick right. in Jersey. Right. Uh fought Wayne Braithwaite for the number one spot. Mm-hmm. Adamick vacated. I was um now I'm number one. I'm the number one cruiserweight again. Yeah. But now I have the world title. Wherever I go, the world title goes. I ended up leaving Don. We we that's a whole story in itself. Yeah. I'm not gonna waste the time on that right now. But I ended up swindling away from Don. We snuck away from Don on some slick crap. And we let the <laughs> we let the contract, we talked them out of They wanted, I'll just give you a quick synopsis. They tried yeah. to get us to re-sign. And my wife was like, "Listen, we we were already plotting for four years. We were plotting. We're not resigning again. We're not resigning with this dude because we. I had to resign. I was forced to resign with him in order to get the Guillermo Jones fight. So from that that four year fight, that four year contract went to seven years. You know. So now, um, like I'm not doing that again. I'm getting the hell away from this dude. Now I'm a, I'm a name. You know, people know me. I'm a former world champ. Somebody gonna pick me up. And <clears throat> We got away from Don. Now I'm number one in the world. Wherever I go, the con the, the IBF title goes. Um, main events, we talked to main events. They wanted me to go heavyweight right then. And I'm I just didn't want to go heavyweight. I just I just felt like I was the best cruiserweight in the world and I wanted to be the best. Right. So I wasn't right. even thinking about heavyweight at that time. Um, so we 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 left main events kind of hanging because we they thought they had to deal with it. And remember, they had Adam. they wanted to redo that second atom, they wanted to rematch the atomic fight. Yeah. Um, I, I'm like, listen, let me call Poland and Germany, see what they offer. Because Main Events was saying, I can get you this Cruiserweight title fight on ESPN for $25,000. And I was like, what? What? $25,000, like, goddamn. And the whole thing is, oh, the Cruiserweight, the Cruiserweight. That's always we was hearing in America. So I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let me let me call silent promotions and the Polish dudes. The Polish guys are talking... Better numbers like 70,000, but the German dude was like 100,000. And you go up 20, 30,000 each fight, you know, for mandatories, and we'll negotiate high for other man. That was it. I signed with the Germans, you know, and and so I get to Germany, defend my I, I beat Troy Ross for the, for the world title. Now I'm two time. I defend my title against Ina Alessina. Um, and now I'm looking for a unification bout with Marco Huck. That was one of the main reasons I went to Solomon, because they right. had Marco Huck. He's got all these title defenses with the WBO unification bout, Let's right. have it. We find out that they didn't want me fighting Huck, because they knew I'd beat him. And Huck made a lot of money over there. You know, I, I'm signed with the Germans, but they don't, um, I don't speak German. You know, I don't speak Deutsch. I'll say that, that's what it's called. And, you know, I just wasn't that marketable. Now they have the Cuban guy, Juan Pablo Hernandez. Mm-hmm. I'm just like whatever. Let, let's fight him, you know. I signed to fight Yon Pablo, not knowing that the promoters in Europe can also be the manager of the fighter that they promote. I didn't know that, mm. so I didn't know that until the press conference of the first Hernandez fight. When we get at the press conference, I'm like, oh my freaking goodness! I wouldn't, I wouldn't afford him. I wouldn't have picked him to fight because yeah. I know these mugs want to take my title. You know, I was just bullheaded enough to be like, "I'm the best cruiserweight in the world; ain't nobody beat me." But this politics kicked my ass. <laughs> yeah. And and that fight, that first fight with Hernandez, basically Hernandez knocked me down in the first round. I got up and just kept climbing on him. By the sixth round, I'm I'm looking like I'm about to stop him. I go sit down in a chair, and that's the first thing Nazim says, "You gonna stop him next round?" And I'm just like, "We on the same page." And the, the 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 doctor waves the fight. Doctor waves the fight and is like, um, so we asked her, I asked the, the, the ref, what's the call? They waved the fight because me and, you know, Hernandez is a softball. We headbutt a couple times. He bled on this side back in the second round, but they stopped that. In the fifth round, he bled. He didn't even believe in it. It was just open. The doctor stopped the fight on the cut here saying it could have bled into his eye. Right. It could have bled into his eyes, so they stopped the fight. Of course, Hernandez is up on the cards a little bit, and he wins my world title like that. I'm super pissed, protested it. The IBF said, now this is, this is where it gets full of shit. The IBF said, yeah, you can't, the, the fight was unjustly stopped because could have gotten out, nah, that, that, that shit don't apply. So they said the fight was unjustly stopped, but Hernandez stays champion for the rematch. I was like, man, are you freaking kidding me? So my plan was, they would award me back the title like they should have. I was just going to go heavyweight, Vacated. Now I'm, you know, I'm. I didn't, I didn't lose the title. I vacated the title. You know, that put me in a better business stance. Right. But I didn't. I wasn't able to do that. The IBF gave the title to Hernandez. Now I'm fuming. Um, I go back to rematch. It's a good fight. We won fight of the year. I was, I was mad. I I can't box when I'm angry. And and I lost that fight. You know, he knocked me down actually twice that time, but it was a good rumble. Yeah. And um, yeah. so from and that was for the ring magazine and the IBF title. So now so from there, I'm like, what do I do? What the fuck do I do? I got two losses in Germany. If I stay here, they're gonna feed me to their cruiserweights, you know, and 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 a two time world champion on their upcoming cruiserweights ledgers is gonna look great and they're gonna freaking rob me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Right. So I was like, we, I forgot it. So we told Silent we're done. And they were, they were like, cool, cool. Cause they got what they wanted from me. They wanted that title. I said, Go, oh, okay. Come here, thank you. <laughs> and I was out. So now I'm like, heavyweight, I gotta go. I'm like, I gotta reinvent myself. I gotta do something different. Cause America cruiserweights ain't happening. So I'm like, boom. Um, talk to my team. Like, what about going heavyweight? And they were like, all right, what well, what about it? You know, let, shit, you with? I mean, but I always spar heavyweights. I always been sparring heavyweights, and and I, it was easy work. No, did you, you have know? to cut? Did you have to cut a lot of weight for cruiserweight or was? No, you, I, I didn't have to cut any. Oh, hey, hold on right Let me tell okay. my son to get my um, son. Sorry, I got to pick up my uh, six-year-old in, um, at 330, but Junior's going to do it. So, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So, um, so now I'm like, um, I'm sorry, what was, oh, oh? did I have to cut weight? No. So as yeah, a cruiserweight, yeah. I was always underweight. I was walking around. I fought in my walk-around weight. I walked around at 96, 97. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I always walked around that weight. Um, I remember when I fought in South Africa, they were like, the WBA guy was like, man. We get you down light heavyweight. I can get you a light heavyweight title shot back then. And I was like, I tried. I couldn't get past one freaking 80, like seven, man. I couldn't do it. Short. I couldn't do it. I, and I didn't want to do that. I was like, no. Yeah. You know, so now, I mean, even as a cruiserweight, I would go to the scale drinking a gallon. I take a gallon of water with me. intimidation. You know, <laughs> I'm drinking the water, looking at them at the face off. And then everybody like, what the hell? Like this door? And I get on the scale, 198. And I'm like, ah, you know what I mean? So, because I worked out all the time, you know, my weight stayed exactly where it was because I'm, I'm a workout alcoholic, you know? So, now I'm heavyweight and I never been over 200 in my life. <laughs> never. <laughs> and I I started taking these shakes. I never took nothing. No creatine, no glutamine, no vitamin. Right. I never yeah. took nothing. I just worked out as a weight Now- I got an MHP sponsorship. Um, I'm doing the creatine. I'm doing all the shakes. Milk putting the weight on me. And in the beginning of camp, I'd be like 208, 209. My first heavyweight fight was 207. Oh, wow. Yeah, 207. But, here's a story. <laughs> so, before I decide to go heavyweight, I get a call from my lawyer, John Horner, who's Vladimir's lawyer. He's like, hey, Vladimir wants you in camp. And I'm like, uh, what? So he's like, yeah, Vladimir wants you on camp. He's Vladimir's fighting David Hay. And they're like, you know, you're 6'3. He's 6'3, cruiserweight champ. cruiserweight chant Hey, that's a good, good, good sparring for him. You know, so I'm like, all right, great. And John was like, this is, you know, and this is like a little leisure about, you know, you saying you wanna go heavyweight. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, cool. Now, now Nazim at the time, Nazim is like, no, fuck that. Because <laughs> he's cause Nazim is such a thinker, and he and he's right. He says, Vladimir sees you're coming. He's like, and what Vlad, what the Klitschkos do is they get you in camp. Mm-hmm. They get all the guys in training camp and test them out first. Then they start, then they, then they, oh, I'm gonna fight so-and-so, you know, like Eddie Chambers. That's why Vladimir was like, oh, we're gonna be Eddie. We know. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they are they already knew. They t- touched him up the sparring. So for me, I'm just like, I gotta do something. He don't pay me some good money. I mean, he paid me like I think I got paid like twelve hundred a week. Right. You know, I was out there for like I was only out there for two weeks, and I get out there. You got Big Baby Miller. You got Sprout. Oh man, it's like five other heavyweights, and he's sending a couple heavyweights home. He doesn't even want to spar Big Baby Miller because Big Baby Miller's trying to knock him out.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
1: he he sends Big Baby down. And big baby always going at him every time you see him, man. Fuck Vladimir, you stop being a pussy, man. When you gonna spar me? You know, or send me home. And Vladimir, like, no, nah, no, nah, we gonna keep you here. But you know, so I get in there and spar with Vladimir. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging at all. When I when I got with Brother Nazim, I'm just telling the truth. When I got with Brother Nazim, Nazim said, Steve, you can beat dudes with your left arm only. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Now, this is the type of guy Brother Nazim is. This is why I, I've been dying to train with this dude since the amateurs. <laughs> now I finally got a chance to. I seen his work. His twin sons, they were one of them was an Olympian. His nephew was a freaking uh gold medalist at the Pan Am games. I seen his work. I want that. You know? So I finally get time to train with this guy and I'm giving him my freaking thousand. He tells me, you can you can beat dudes with one arm. I'm not lying. You guys can ask Eddie Chambers. You can ask Chaz with a spoon. You can ask anybody in Philly who've been in those gyms I've been in. I boxed for two years with one arm. Oh wow. All the time. I would come home and my freaking left arm would be sore. So I sparred with, like I told you, for the hook fight. Uh, I mean, not the hook fight. After the hook fight, I still sparred with Eddie Chambers, Chaz, and Yusuf. I sparred all each one of them top-rated. Cruise, uh heavyweights and light heavyweight. Yusuf Mack was a top rated light heavyweight at the time with one arm, three rounds or four rounds each. And Eddie Chambers came back the second day and was like, I just figured out, man, you only sparring us with one hand. You only use the one hand. You know, so that's just the, the mindset I had with Brother Nazim. You know, like that's, I felt unbeatable with that dude. <laughs> so, so, um, we get the Vladimir's camp. I get the Vladimir's camp. I'm out in Austria and I'm like, I'm gonna do the one-hand drill on him. I'ma see if I can. I'ma see if I can. Yo, I'm out there sparring Vlad for three or four rounds. One arm. So then the trainer comes to my corner. Hey man, in between rounds, something wrong with your right arm. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, nah. He's like, oh well, why are you using it? I was like, oh my bad. All right, I got you, I got you. And when he left, I was like, yes, you know, cause I was, yo, and, and like I said, I'm not bragging. I was, I'll just say, I was giving Vladimir some good work. Mm-hmm. Nice. I gave him such good work. I got the camp bonus. Nice. I, over All of them heavyweights he had. I left that two, I left that camp. I was there for two weeks. I left with 7,000 bucks. Oh, wow. They oh. gave me the camp bonus at the end of camp. And so recently, and I, and I did two more camps with Vlad, you know, cause Vlad, me and Vlad became tight. Vlad is like, man, Yo, that boxing, man. I need that. That's what I need. Cause everybody's trying to knock him out. And he's like, he's got, just try to knock me out. And he's like, he's not learning. He's not getting a chance to, but he's like, with you. He's like, man, it's really special that a world champion can come to a camp. You know, and and, and I was just like, glad, man, I'm here to learn, bro. You know, that's true. you crazy? Yeah, he's the man. I want to shit. You know, so <laughs> that's my, that was my mindset as a world, as a two-time world champ. So, so now um I get home and I and I tell, I call John the Lord. I'm like, John, I'm going heavyweight. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm going heavyweight, baby. I'm like, man, I did some good work with Vlad, you know? And he was like, I knew it. You know, I knew it. So, boom, that's what made me go heavyweight. That's why I, I became heavyweight. That's awesome. And so how did the um, Tyson fight emerge then? So the Tyson Fury fight emerged because, you know, if you guys see my my record, my history, I fought Adam that second time finally as a heavyweight, right. my second heavyweight fight. Right, I I pitched a nine, a eight point five and 9.0 in that fight. I did everything but get a knockdown right. with that guy, and I was still able to get robbed in my home state. They still oh, yeah. robbed me mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania, and I'm like, I was so I was just like, yo, what the fuck, you know what I mean? So the word was Cunningham's too small. Um, you know, Adamick had already fought um Vladimir, or or, or Vitaly. I'm sorry, and they was trying to they were trying to get a heavyweight to challenge Vladimir and Vitaly from America. Right. So they rather than... Sorry, go ahead. Oh. So, they rather, so the next fight up was um, to get to Vladimir. Adamic got stopped by Vitaly the year before. So mm-hmm. now it's to get to Vladimir. And they didn't feel I could contest against Vladimir. Now, I told nobody about the sparring. I mean, it's I was thinking about
0: sparring. that.
1: But yeah. sparring is sparring, but still it gives you a look at you know things you can do maybe yeah. Vladimir would have got me but or, or or but we believed I was going to get in there and do some different stuff to him that people didn't see before and was be like, yo you know so so that's why I wanted that Vladimir fight but um the word, the word was Cunningham's too small because I, I weighed in my first heavyweight fight was 207 then the next one was for Adam I was 204. I was 204. I still was oh, no. a cruiserweight. <laughs> you know, and that's what everybody kept saying. Cunningham's too small. He don't have power. And that so with that being said, now I'm like, I I'm like, I gotta get a way back. I gotta get a way back. I gotta get a good win, you know, and I gotta show him I got some power. So Tyson Fury, nobody knew Tyson Fury was Tyson Fury at this yeah. time, yeah, 2013, yeah. early mm-hmm. or late 2012. He's talking smack on Twitter. I see him. I'm like, hmm, this big goofy mug, man. So I start talking smack (laughs) back to him, and you know we're talking smack. I basically set that fight. I basically started that fight with with Fury. And oh, get have your people see me. I'll come to America and smash cruiserweights and so so now as a heavyweight, I'm signed with Main Events. Now I'm with Main Events now, Mm -hmm. and and they are ecstatic about the Fury thing. Oh, okay, cool. Boom, bring him over. Fury fight um happens and you guys saw what happened.
2: Yeah. Um, you know,
1: how it went down. It was a great fight. I mean, it was a great fight while it lasted. Um Fury did what he had, to, like you said, he did what he had to do in order to get the win. He couldn't box me. He couldn't box with me. I was getting him, beating him to the punch and landing some and landed more power shots. So um, but I felt fighting fury would or beating Fury beating him, because you know, again, tall European dudes, ah man, ain't nothing. I'm a get him. You know what I'm saying? But but we worked hard. Now in training camp, the first day we signed that contract to fight Fury, brother Nazim says, "Steve, you're gonna knock him on his ass with this punch." And we drilled that overhand right every day in camp. At the end of, at the end of the training, all right, we do like two rounds. Boom, ba ba ba. Boom, boom. Yo, that crap. So when it happened in the fight, I didn't even think about it. It just happened. He threw a one two. Ooh. And I was like, Ooh. like I didn't think about it, you know. It just was instinct, and um, that's from the training. So being as though I didn't get the win, but the performance was so good, it kept me, it kept me in play, you know. It kept me alive, you know. So I um, after that fight, I got a you know, I got a lower, a lesser fight against Manuel Casada, you mm-hmm. know, from I think from Cali,
2: mm-hmm.
1: beat him. I think I think he said I broke his rib. You know, I, I I hit him to the body, man. He was like, man, you broke my, after the fight. And I'm like, sorry, man. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, we cool dudes, you know. I mean, I, most of the guys I fought, I'm cool with, except two of them. Tarver and Marco Huck. Marco Huck. I want to ask you about your fight with Tarver. That was a draw. How'd you yeah. feel that went? Man, that was bullshit. That was bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I, that was bullshit. And I didn't think they were going to award him that, but, but then it hit me. This is his network. We fought on the network. He commentated on. Yeah. He's a yeah. bigger, the bigger draw, or yeah. a bigger name, you know. But and and then even even with for Sean Porter, I was a little bit mad with Sean Porter because Sean was commentating the fight, and it was all oh man, look at how Tarver's moving, look at what Tarver's doing, Tarver, 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 Tarver. He's so old, but I mean you know he's forty six and he's moving like oh. Huh. And it's like, bro. And then they're like, Tarver's a former world champion. And then you got Steve Cunningham. And I'm like, he never mentioned I was a two-time world champ. It was just so time. biased. I was like, bro. But, but then after that fight with Tarver, he fails the test. He he popped on the PD test. Oh man. You know, and and I was like, look at this crap. So so this guy he literally robbed me of a good victory for my record, and by cheating and. After that loss, I was basically kind of talked into going back down the cruiserweight, you know, because it's like, man, and I kind of felt down, too, because this is before he popped on the test. This is before anybody knew. And my thing is, if anybody can get even in blatant robberies, I feel this way. If anybody can look at me, fight and still be able to cheat me and give a give a fight to another guy, I feel like I, I messed up somewhere. You know, so after that Tarver fight, I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm down. Cause I'm like, I can't beat this motherfucker. Like, damn, like he might be old. He out of, he looked like he out of shape. I'm like, I thought I was running punches off. My thing was the out volume. Cause he, listen, you get old, you lose a step, but you keep that power. Tarver mm-hmm. was knocking dudes out. And, and he was on the pads. So he was, he was, he was knocking dudes out. So I wasn't going to just run in there on that dude. So my thing was pop, 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 pop. And I pointed him so much so. After that fight, we're on our way to get our check right out the ring. And Lou DeBella, who was working with Al Heyman at the time. Now I'm signed with PBC. I'm with, you know, Al's my agent now. Right. Um, and this is after my the robbery I got on HBO for um, Glass Golf. Right. Because remember, I beat I beat Amir Mansour, undefeated South Ball Monster. Yes. I beat him mm-hmm. on NBC. Got the US, yes. heavyweight mm-hmm. USBA title. And now to get the Vladimir, I'm fighting Glass Golf. I get a call from Vladimir the uh uh when we in the locker room from our lawyer. And the lawyer's like, Vlad says he hopes you win, um, and they're gonna work to get you the most money that they can, like at least like 1.5. That would have been my biggest payday. True. Uh, I never made a million dollar fight, that would have been it. And I'm like, yes, I'm like, I just gotta beat this one. I do. <laughs> and um and and the reason why Vlad wanted me to win was because I had already had a, a presence, a fan base in Europe. Mm-hmm. Germany, Ukraine, Russia, all my fights when I fought overseas was highly televised in Europe. Like, right. I like, and people say this, but I said I'm famous in Europe. <laughs> it is real stuff. So, so um, Vlad, remember at that time, the Ukraine was having that civil war. Right. And Glasgow was from the other side that Vladimir and them were from. And they were like, they couldn't sell that. The, the, you know, it wouldn't have been a good sell. So, he yeah. was like, I'm rooting for you. So, But you see what happened, and boom, now I'm in this situation where I am, and um, I'm fighting Tarver. I lose. I mean, it's a draw. I'm sorry. It's a draw. And now Lou DeBella, who's with Al, he's like, listen, bro, you, you're you not big enough for these heavyweights. let you just go down the cruiserweight, and we can get you a shot at the WBO title, which Marco Huck just lost to a Polish softball named Glavoski." Mm-hmm on my undercard and uh which was which was bittersweet because now Mar- marco huck's first fight in america is on my undercard. <laughs> there you go. And, and that dude hated me so much, yo. Like he hated the fact that I beat his ass. He still hates me to this day. So um we just laughed at him. We walked in past and just looked and laughed and you know, he, this dude had bodyguards. He's just he out of his brain. But so now I go back to cruiserweight and I fight Glasgow, I mean Glavatsky, and it was a good fight, but he knocked me down three times. He ended up knocking me down three times. And I I still got up, kicked, kicked his butt in between the rounds, but those knockdowns you couldn't beat. So he retained yeah. his title. And I was I was like, All right. Next fight was a pickup fight in Reading just to stay alive, just to stay warm. And then I get the call I have to fight. Um, I got a fight with Andrew Tabidi. Mm-hmm. on the Floyd McGregor undercard. So I again, yeah. Yeah. On pay-per-view. This is my first pay-per-view event. We're opening up the pay-per-view. Right. And I'm like, yo, I'm so excited. Like, damn, oh. this big things is happening. You know, I'm with, I'm with the big guys. You know what I mean? Now I'm with, I'm, now I've got some support. I'm with Al Heyman, you know, da, 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 I'm fighting with Floyd's undercard, like, yo, making some decent money, you know, for, for this little fight. <clears throat> and I didn't take in the, I didn't factor in. That this is Floyd's young cruiserweight undefeated. This is Floyd's. This is Floyd's show. This is Floyd's town.
0: Yeah,
1: you know what I'm saying. This is Floyd's world. Yeah. Um, it didn't hit me till after the fight, you know, because in my mind I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know I'm I'm part of the squad now. You know what I mean with PBC and now. I'm I'm I felt once I got with Al Heyman, that was the best boxing experience i ever had in my life dealing with money dealing with the way they treated me i got paid more money without a title with 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 pbc than i did with a freaking title
0: Oh, wow. that's crazy no
1: bullshit twice i got paid 300 some thousand dollars two times messing with pbc and my biggest payday for defending one of my world titles was 250 oh wow shit was crazy man so so I'm I'm happy though because now like I said, I feel like I'm 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 in. You know, I see my man Danny here, he eating, he making big money, he got yeah. getting exposed. I'm, like, I'm part of this squad now. Now I, I don't have to go around the world. I, you know, this and that, and, but that was far from it. Now I'm fighting in Vegas on the undercard of McGregor Floyd in first round. And and of course you guys remember to beat his He was killing the dudes. I mean, and he was knocking out C. Plus. Fighters, B minus guys, not even B minus, C plus guys. He's putting them to sleep, like you should. And he was touted to be the next best thing. Yada, yada. I get the call. Yo, you fighting Tabiti? Great. Go out there. We train hard. I go out there. My sparring partner was harder than Tabiti. Tell you the truth. My sparring partner, Dafir Smith. He was more crafty and then just difficult. Yeah. So I get out there fighting with. I mean, not even just the fight. The whole event. It wasn't even like it was a real fight. Like, we're in the back signing all of the doctor's paperwork, doing the weigh ins and stuff. And it was just all about McGregor.
2: Mm-hmm. All about, yeah, so all, I mean, I, fight. Yeah,
1: yeah, it wasn't even like a real organization. And I'm I'm peeping at, like, what the fuck? And I'm like, and McGregor comes in, every, everybody runs over to him. And I'm like, oh, the fuck up. We, we still got stuff to do. And I'm like, I'm a two time world champion. This is just an MMA guy. But, yeah. Them dudes was making freaking hundreds of millions. So money talks. Don't give a damn how many. Somebody asked me uh, last month. I did an interview, and the, and she asked me afterwards. Was like, Steve, uh, would you rather money or the belts? I told her the money. I told her the money. I said because at the end of the day, when when we're we're done, we're done fighting. Them belts don't really mean shit. But trophies, they're sitting on my wall. You know, and people forget you. They fucking forget you. <laughs> the fans forget you, bro. Uh, you know.
0: Oh, well, you we don't forget you, brother forget you. man. No, no.
1: I get <laughs> right. What no, made you, you take four years off and come back to fight Frank Mir? I mean, uh, so I, it one? wasn't. It wasn't up to me, you know. So I um. After the Tabidi loss, you know <laughs> that kid, man, he's just running and holding, and it was just unbelievable that that cruiserweight tournament was happening and i was i was said i was going to be in the cruiserweight tournament but of course with the loss you know it kind but i'm like yo, y'all know that wasn't a loss you know that was some bullshit but um i heard out that it was said oh cunningham um don't need to take that type of damage or something for that and i'm like what so my, my thing is this the way i fight i fight to my opponent and that's a plus <laughs> And it's a it's a it's a it's a negative, you know. You put me in there with Tyson Fury, you get the best cunning, you get one of the best U.S.S's you ever seen. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You put me in there with Adam, you get an 8.5 performance. You put me in there with them type of dudes. That's the you put me in the ring with a Vladimir, I can box this dude with one fucking arm, and because because <laughs> I'm on point, like this motherfucker dangerous. You put me in there with a fucking young cub, Khabib. Who's scared of his own fucking shadow? I can't work with that. You get what I'm saying? Like, and that's that's my fault. I, you know what I mean? Because I should be able to turn on it just. But in that fight, I was told we win and we win it. So I, I stayed with the way I was. But it's like I I can't I I can't USS the the scared dude. You know what I mean? I'm just not that guy. Yeah. So um now um I'm I was told that I'm not I'm not uh you know. They didn't want me to take the damage that I would get fighting the Usyk, and and I'm like, bro, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna rise to that occasion. I'm not saying I beat Usyk. I'm not saying I beat any of them guys, but I'm not saying they beat me. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I rise to the occasion, and so I was kept out of that tournament. I was so freaking pissed because who the fuck else should have been in that tournament? Absolutely, (laughs) best goddamn cruiserweights in American history. Yeah. Stop mm-hmm. the bullshit. You know, so um, but I was kept out. Tabidi went in and and, and me and Tabidi had words over in, Instagram. After our fight, I was posting the pictures of me hitting him some clips. And I'm like, the 40-year-old, I was 41 years old, 41, 42. I'm like, the 40 year old fighter should not have to chase the young fighter around the ring to make him fucking fight.
0: Yeah. I'm mm-hmm.
1: literally in the ring, like, yo, come on, let's go. He's running. So um and, and, and the referee, Jay Nady, had to tell me, like, come on, Steve, calm down. You know, and I'm like, this dude is not trying to fucking fight. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. so from there, Kabidi, um, you know, we started talking in the comments. And I said, listen, I don't hate you. I don't dislike you. I said, but you were given a gift. You didn't beat me. You got the win, but you didn't beat me. You know, I'm like, I'm like now let me give you some advice. I said, when you fight those Europeans, you are going to have to rumble. Um, I said they're gonna take points from you for all that fucking holding you're doing. I said because you're gonna, I said you're gonna to have to go overseas and fight. You're not gonna be able to be protected by Floyd in yeah. Vegas. I said I, I told him this shit. I said you're gonna to have to fucking rumble. You're not gonna be able to hold. They're gonna take points, and you going have to you gonna have to fucking man up. And we left it at that. A year later, he gets put to fucking sleep. He gets put yeah. to sleep, and he got he got two points taken for all that fucking holding fighting Dorcas. Yeah. Yeah, and Doran just put him to fuck sleep because he had because he had to fight. With me, he wasn't forced to fucking engage. So, um, so from there, I'm just like, um, fuck, man, you know, um, I 2017. That's when I we got to fight. We took that money and I opened my boxing gym, the USS Fight Academy. That's where yes. I'm wearing, USS Fight Academy. Awesome. Um, uh, you know my plan was like take the year off and get the gym rolling. And then you know, come back, you know, because even though I was 42, 43, even now I'm 46, I feel freaking. I'm actually trying to get in this bare knuckle. Or or I had a couple fights fall through last year. But um, because I mean I'm always sparring, I'm always in shape. Uh I'm always working. We actually was sparring last night. And um, I'm just always right. So I took that year off and in 2018 or 19, I was trying to come back. I talked to Al, and he was trying to set something up, but then that fell through. But then we were talking again, early 2020 or late 2019. And you know how uh, PBC does it when you start seeing the fighter commentating, you know they're trying to bring him back around.
2: Right. So right.
1: I got the I got the gig to to commentate, and I was working on a contract with um, FS1 for commentating. Um, so I got the I got the gig to do the undercard of the. The Rosario J Rock, the Julian Williams um fight in Philly. Right, right. January 2020. Uh Lennox Lewis did Lennox Lewis and um a couple other guys did the main fight, but we I did the um The Undercard. Undercard. It was right. a great experience. And that was for the directors to check me out, you know. Because I've already, you know, you guys know I've already commented for um commentated for NBC. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, all these other spots. Hey, hold on, hold on, let me go check.
0: Steve is just uh, checking out something here. He should be back with us pretty soon. Here he is. Yeah, I'm
1: back. I was just making sure my son's <laughs> going to get the little guy.
0: Hey, no worries, man.
1: So um, where was I? I'm sorry. Um, I'm a commentator. Oh, the commentating. So yeah, so I commentated for NBC FS1 before and, you know, I do a good job. And now we're like, yo, let's try to get you this contract, trying to make this exit plan, you know, and, you know, for for retirement. Hey, this is something I want to do. Right and um, the director's really looking at me. That's why they had me there. I I score big with him. He's loving it. Like yo, man, ooh, we love you. So that's January twenty twenty. Um, February. And then the
0: pandemic hit.
1: Well, well, before the pandemic hit, February mid February twenty twenty, I get an email, and 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 it says FS one, welcome to the team.
0: Oh wow!
1: Right. They're like, yo, welcome to the team. So I'm like, yo, we did it. Oh, shit. Boom. Pandemic. Fucking pandemic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fucking pandemic,
1: man. Fucking pandemic, right? And, and and that goes on so long that the director, he freaking like uh retires or something or leaves. So now the guy that liked me is gone. There's no boxing for about a year almost. Right. Then when boxing comes back, now it's Oh, we're only using the top guys because there's only so many shows, you know, right. and mad, everybody got fucking goofy ass mass and all this old bullshit. You can't, you know, it ain't that many people in the audience. Yada, yada, yada. 2021 comes around. We're inching a little better now. You know, now we're 2022. And I'm like, bro, I'm doing I'm, I do do little shows in Philly. You know, I got a, I got like a constant deal where I commentate the fights in Philly. But. Uh, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna swing back around with FS1, but I don't I don't know. Yeah, you know perhaps uh you know mm. you can send us some of those links
0: so we can get them out to yeah. the public so they can see where you're commentating and everything. We yeah. want everyone to know what you're dope. up to. Uh, Steve, you have uh your your boys are fighting now. once turned professional. How's yeah. that going?
1: So you know I have uh Steve Jr. USS Junior. He's 20 now. He was uh, uh he's been boxing since he was uh seven. I j- I started him late. Because I at first I didn't, I really didn't want him to box for some dumb reason. I'm like, nah, I don't want him to box. But he was raised in the gym, you know. So one day I seen him just hitting the bag, and I'm like, shit, give it a try, bro, you know. <laughs> and uh he looked like shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. He looked like shit, but he was so discombobulated with his feet, and he just didn't. With power, and he's seven though, but still, I'm seeing other seven year olds. We're in Philly; these seven year olds is monsters, and I'm like, but I see one thing in Junior. I see this want. He wanted it. I see yeah. this this uh, this learning. I see he listens to me. I'm telling him to do this. He does it in his way because it's all discombobulated, but he did it. Yeah, you know. So he uh he man, this kid's freaking awesome, man. He is bad. He he fought. He's he's been top amateur. All his amateur career, um, national nationally ranked every year, number three, number four, number two, number three. You know, a bronze medalist in the national Golden Gloves, where everybody who was there said that he should have been at least fighting for that silver or gold. But and that was some complete bullshit. That's another story. We like we call that the the USS curse or something. <laughs> no, no, no. No, what 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 weight is he fighting at? He's fighting at one, well, you know, he won 147. One, so right now he's at one. That's a killer division, bro. Well, well, now he's at 156 because he walks around at like 160, 162. Right, right. So, yeah, um, between 140, 140, yeah. 168, that's, that's, those that's are all great game.
0: killers, man. Yeah. He's a team. softball. Awesome, man. Steve, we do something here on Champ and Chance. Uh, we, we play the name game. Chance yeah. will, you know, shoot out some names to you and uh, – you know, just let us know what you guys what you think about them. Let's
1: go. All right. Lennox, <clears throat> Lennox Lewis. One of the greatest heavyweights ever, and he's not talked about a lot. It's bullshit. And a guy you know very well, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. Um, oh, I got a lot to say about Fury. <laughs> um Tyson Fury, a genius in marketing, a marketing genius, uh, one of the most in-shape fighters I've ever met because I went to training camp with him and I see the shit he does. He's in shape. He's not just big. Like I said, I said that before. He's just big. No, that motherfucker is (laughs) in shape. And and I'll say this on the negative side, one of the best bullshitters. (laughs) One of the best bullshitters in the world. But those are the three things. Roy Jones Jr. Arguably top three best fighters of all time. Easily, e- i mean, not argue—easily top three, right? Like I used to emulate Roy, man. I used to try to my way. It didn't look like it, but I love Roy, bro. And I got That's his right. number in my phone now. Ugh. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> One more for you, Manny Pacquiao. Manny <laughs> Pacquiao. All right, all right, all right. Great fighter, but but what what makes him great? I think what makes him great is the energy from his community, yo. The the, the 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 Filipino fan base is unbelievably nuts for him. And that is beautiful. Like, that's the one thing I pull from Manny Pacquiao. We see great fighter, in shape, legend, this and that. that, that. For me, the main thing that's more important is the support he got from his country. That shit motivates you. It pushes you to next levels. Those people love that dude, man. And that... We, us fighters in America, we don't get that, man. We don't it's get funny that you that. say that. I've been to a lot of his fights live, and I've been sitting by people from the Philippines. When he comes out, the women are literally crying. Right, like, right. He's like a rock star. Yeah. He's Elvis them, man. It is, Absolutely. True. I got one for you,
0: if I may, just uh, kind of yes. tie this all up. Uh, Alexander Usyk.
1: Ooh, Alexander Usyk. Argued, uh possibly one of the best boxing minds ever best boxers ever him um oh uh, man the way he boxes uh Shakur Stevens his box, you know his his, his distance is unbelievable but but Usyk Usyk is and he should go down as one of the top five he should possibly go down as one of the top five or, or top seven fighters of all time I'm serious and and, and people won't say that because you got to look at, he ran through all of them cruiserweight champions. And them dudes aren't slouches. They're just not marketed here. You know, so we don't know about Gassiev. He's such a monster. We don't know about, shit, Usyk ran through Huck. Usyk ran through all these guys, man. And now he's heavyweight, unified. Man, come on, bro. Usyk is one of the best boxing minds we've seen in a long time, man. Straight up.
0: Brother Steve, thank, see, we, we've, we've covered so much information, but there's so much more that I want to talk to you about, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can get together again. I'm not hopefully, I want to get together again and be able to talk yes. about you know your sons. And I really wanted to talk yeah. about your daughter a little bit and, and a bit yeah. of that. And you living in Pittsburgh, I'm a Steelers fan. Are you a Steelers fan now? Oh, yeah. No doubt. If, my you, bad. if you live
1: in Pittsburgh, you gotta be a Steelers fan. My you,
0: so, you know that's one of
1: my uh, spots
0: that I have to come down to one day. Uh to, to call that my Mecca. Uh to, right. to come Absolutely. down and check it out. So Steve, thank you so much for all this. <clears throat> wonderful wonderful conversation um i just asked one more question yep. will Usyk fury happen yes or no you you being a cruiserweight, you knowing tyson fury to a certain extent what are your thoughts on this fight as we wrap this up
1: and who wins and who wins I, all right all right i don't think i don't think it happens okay because Usyk wins you know i I don't think it happens. I I think Fury's going to do some crazy stuff. He's going to fight somebody else, and he might just vacate the WBC. I don't think that fight's going to happen, though. Um, If it does happen, if it does happen, Usyk wins because Usyk is me. He's a way better me. And, And a way better me because Usyk takes the power out. And he's just going, he's going to touch him. Pop, boom, boom, He's going to touch him and move and touch him move. And Fury's not going to be allowed to do those tactics, to use those tactics that are kind of borderline. He's not going to be allowed to use those tactics on Usyk because Usyk's management team is Aegis. Aegis is a powerhouse mm-hmm. in boxing. In yeah. Europe, man, they're not going to let that shit happen. You yeah, know what I mean? No, Usyk, Usyk, my, and I'm telling you, I, I was talking about this last week. I'm gonna bet if and when they fight, I'm gonna bet Usyk by decision and Usyk by DQ <laughs> because, they're going to, they because they're gonna because they're gonna have them referees on point. Man, Fury's not gonna be allowed to do that shit that gets you tired and drains. It's not gonna be allowed to. They gonna take no. points. So I got Usyk for the win. That's awesome. The oh, theory knows that. That's why it's not happening. Ah!
0: Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> brother, thank you so much thank for taking you. out All the right. time. Uh, yep. You know, no we, we want to talk about the comic books. We still haven't yeah. talked about so many yeah. things, man. Yeah. Uh, so much so going on. let's reconnect again. Let's do part two of Steve Cunningham. All right. uh, two-time world champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam and Chance with Steve Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the experience. Thank you for your time, brother. And have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, man, take it easy. Thank you, guys. Take care, brother. Thank you so much.